Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's time for Warriors This Week. Shot clock down to 10. Cool dribble drive to Thompson in the corner. He'll launch with five and for three and say goodnight. Now, here's Sean Dickinson. Will this be the last game at Chase Center this year? Not sure. Buzzer sounds. Ball game's over. 118-99. The Kings celebrating their win. We go back to Sacramento for Game 7. So now both teams have won a road game in this playoff series. After both teams held serve, Stephen Curry on the floor. He is just watching Sacramento leave the court. He is just trying to get a look in it, let it burn a little bit. He and Draymond Green. Draymond comes over. They slap five, and we'll see if the Warriors can come up with a championship-like performance on Sunday. Yeah, and the Warriors are going to have to find themselves. We welcome you in here. It is Warriors this week. It's John Dickinson. Pleasure to be joined by Alan Stiles here for the next three hours. As we've got you covered, now heading toward Game 7. And what a disappointment Game 6 was last night at Chase Center. Tim Roy, Tom Tolbert on the call, 118-99 the final. Kings even things up at three games apiece. Uh, Alan, Good to be with you, my man, and I uh, just got to tell you, wel- welcome back to the airwaves, and uh, I, I got to congratulate you and, and your wife on the, the birth of a, of a beautiful daughter. So uh, congratulations, my man, and uh, looking forward to the next three. Thank you, JD. I know it's, it's good to be back. You know, the sleep doesn't matter right now. Sleep doesn't matter right now. I'm excited to be here, be with you. Thank you for the well wishes. We're excited. Beautiful baby girl and uh, ready to rock and roll. Yeah, so it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll open up the phone lines, 888-957-9570, 888-957-9570, as we're with you until 1 o'clock, as we are each and every Saturday morning right here on 95.7 The Game. And, and let's just get into it uh, right off the top, Alan. The, the Warriors lose Game 6 when it appeared as if they had this series in control, but Golden State with a lot of the things that were problematic for them in the other two games that they lost, game one and game two, they got hit on the boards. They they couldn't defend at, at the level that they needed to in transition. A lot of bad shots and, and just careless turnovers. So the things that the Warriors thought they had corrected through the middle chunk of this series all popped back up at once and – it led to them being blown out, as it turned out, in that game last night. Yeah, and here's the thing, J.D. Really, if you think about who the Warriors have been this whole time, this game shouldn't have been surprising. I think we all were a little lost in the sauce after that W. But let's think back to even Game 4, where Steph and, and, the, and the crew and the fake timeout to Chris Webber, they almost tricked that game off. So you go into this, they pull it off in Sacramento, and all of a sudden we forget who the Warriors have been this whole season. If you didn't forget who the Warriors had been this whole season, then last night really wouldn't have been that surprising. This is what they've been doing. All year they've been mediocre. All year they haven't been able to get traction, and it reared its ugly head at the worst time. But this wasn't even mediocrity. This was just not even showing up. But in terms of we are one team one day and a different team the other, unfortunately it came at the worst time, and now the Warriors have to go into Sacramento, where we know it will be deafening in there and pull off it's I guess technically not an upset because Vegas still has them as a one point favorite but we'll figure all that good stuff out later in the show 
Yeah, and and now the questions become, where do the Warriors go from here? I know a big question coming into Game 6 was, did Sacramento have an adjustment to make? And and one of the things, Alan, that that I've really had a hard time grappling with, and I did on the post-game show last night and kind of setting up the things that we're going to talk about on, on the show this morning is, you know, how much of last night was the fact that the Warriors thought they had the thing in the bag versus the quick turnaround and looking a little sluggish and, and frankly looking a little old and maybe that the Kings found an adjustment that we didn't know they necessarily had in, in going small, but even before they were able to go small, they were hitting the Warriors on the offensive glass at a real aggressive rate. And so, again, I just I can't figure out, was it the Warriors not being locked in or was it just the Warriors didn't have anything in the tank and the Kings were desperate and maybe found a little something that, that could continue to translate toward tomorrow afternoon? Because I just keep coming back to the fact that the Warriors now are going to have to go play in a lot of ways, the same game they just played on Wednesday in Game 5 again, mm-hmm. and then hope that that's good enough in the final couple of minutes as it proved to be on Wednesday night. Well, and, and, and that's also the problem, because I don't know which option is better. I don't know if we'd rather say that they just got out-hustled or that they didn't have enough in the tank. Either way, those aren't good options. But when you look at the loose balls and the long, and, and there are scheme reasons as to why the Warriors weren't getting those long rebounds. But when you look at just the hustle factor, I know we talk about experience a lot. Everybody does. That's why Vegas has the Warriors as, as favorites. That's why everybody still believes the Warriors can pull off something that, in reality, should be a huge task for them to pull off. It's because of the experience. But how about this, J.D.? How is there nobody in that locker room knowing? Just, just, it just To me, it felt like they accepted that the Kings were going to be the aggressor, and that was what was alarming to me. It, it was as if, okay, we know the Kings are going to come out and punch us in the mouth, and we're going to have to play from behind and hopefully steal this one at home, versus, hey, guys, what if we come out and we punch them in the mouth and just say, hey, your season's over? It's as if they just accepted that the Kings were going to be – and Steve Kirk kind of talks about it as well. And the team, we knew they were going to come out hot. We knew they were going to be the aggressor. Why accept that? And that makes me believe that it wasn't that they didn't necessarily want to accept it. That makes me believe they just didn't have it. And I think that's scarier than being checked out. I think – a lot of people feel like the Warriors were checked out last, you know, last night. But was it checked out or just the fact that the Kings are able to go to a place that we couldn't go to, specifically when they went to that small ball lineup and they just ran the Warriors off the floor? Well, and the aggressors won all six games. Yeah. I think that the team that's been the more physically aggressive at the beginning has wound up winning all six games. Mm-hmm. Now, the other teams have been ahead in some of those games, and there's been comebacks and twists and turns along the way. But I think that the most simple way to put it, as far as your, what you're saying, game one and game two, the Kings were the aggressors, and they won. Three, four, and five, the Warriors were the aggressors, and they won all three of those games. And then last night, Sacramento was the aggressor again, and they evened things up at chase uh, on a day that really – you know, and I thought, you know, I don't think the Warriors didn't give the Kings the appropriate amount of respect. I mm-hmm. think we can get into whether the Warrior fans did or not. Not that that necessarily matters, but there was a lot of talk about how this series was was over and last night was going to be a, a coronation and, and all of this. I, I also think you look at just the semantics now as far as the schedule and the logistics surrounding the fact that the Warriors' worst two games in this series have been the two games in which they had one day off in between. Uh, Game two, after game one, that was, up until last night, the worst game the Warriors played. Now, they still had a chance to win it with seven minutes to go, and Draymond got ejected from that one, and everything was Sabonis, and then the Kings couldn't be stopped offensively after Draymond found himself out of that game. But that was the, the most you know sluggish, sloppy, poor shooting, impatient, can't-get-into-your-offense game before last night. And, and I have to wonder, and, and this relates to Game 7 now, is 
you're getting even less of a turnaround from six to seven than you had from five to six or from one to two. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, that would give me a little cause for pause looking at whether the Warriors can muster just the energy and, and the intensity and the level of play one more time to just give themselves a chance in those final five minutes to try and win the game. Exactly. And you talk about the final five minutes. I think, J.D., it's also about the first five minutes tomorrow because we know the Golden One is going to be off the chain in terms of how rabid that fan base is going to be to get this to get this Game 7. If the Warriors come out flat again, you could see something similar to what the Lakers did to the Grizzlies. Now, it won't be that bad because i got to give the Warriors more respect than that. But if you let this thing avalanche early, there I don't believe at this point with the day's rest, there is a gear that the Warriors can get to. Because after that, after that goes out to the window, and we talked about it a little bit, J.D., in the pre-show, the Kings, are still, the Kings have this very unique opportunity where they get to be at home, and because everybody is so obsessed with the Warriors' experience, they get to be at home after doing what they did to the Warriors on the road in a game everybody thought that the Warriors were going to win. They get to go home and still have a chip on their shoulder and be the underdogs. That's from number one, being the underdogs from Jump Street when this playoff matchup was set, and again, being underdogs tomorrow now, the, the lines could change, but it doesn't matter because the Kings, and they already talked about it, Malik Monk spoke about it as well, nobody expected us to be here. They can continue to have all these little bits and pieces so that the only time I see them getting tight is if this thing is close towards the end of the game. But coming out early, hey, you guys thought it was all over in six. We were never going to win and chase. Now, could that maybe help the Warriors because the Kings think they're playing with house money? I don't know, but I also don't think that the Warriors are going to the Warriors are going to be able to you know sit there and okay the Kings are going to be tight all game long. It's possible, but they still have the ability because of the Warriors and the experience that they have and how much the people believe in the Warriors to come out and somehow be the the the, the underdogs in a situation where there's no way. They should be the underdogs after what they just did and what we've seen from the Warriors this series. Yeah, and and really, I mean, whoever the underdog is or the favorite or or whatever, I I do think as part of the the story heading into tomorrow is – you know, can the Warriors muster the champion's blood one more time? Mm-hmm. I, I think that's really the question to, to advance, and then you take the next series if you can advance at, at that point. You know, and I think, but part of that is making Sacramento feel a little bit of the pressure of the fact that this is their opportunity now at home to close out the Warriors and make them feel the pressure of, hey, that's a big deal for a team that hasn't really been through it. I do think game one, game five a little bit, when a series is tied as it was going back to Wednesday night and game seven, those are the the moments in which the experience factor can have its its most impact, its most significant impact. Yeah. And so I do think, you know, on paper, until they actually go out there, that is something that the Warriors can can lean on at the beginning tomorrow, just the fact that they've been through Game 7s, at least their, their main core has been through Game 7s. They've won them. They've lost them. Again, it's the old they've, they've seen it all kind of a thing that will have to be in play for, for the Warriors tomorrow. But make the Kings feel that, regardless of whether they feel like they're the, the underdogs or not. The, the, the thing that concerns me, and there are a lot of different things, and we can get into it, 888-957-9570. What was the issue last night? Did the Warriors just come out flat because they thought they had it won or did Sacramento just take it to them and figure something out that they now can go to to try and close out this series themselves and you know how concerned are you about the quick turnaround as it pertains to the older team versus the younger team and so much of the conversation leading into game six Allen was do the Kings have an adjustment to make against the Warriors and I wasn't sure that they did 
But they did play Terrence Davis more. They did play Davion Mitchell less. Sabonis being in foul trouble really didn't negatively impact things. No. He, he, he stood up early defensively at a, at a higher level than he had at any point in the series and, and threw some shots away and clogged the paint a little bit, which I think was, was somewhat jarring to the Warriors because they hadn't seen him or anybody on Sacramento do that in this series. He hit him on the boards, which, were, I mean, nine of his 11 rebounds were offensive rebounds. Uh, Sacramento had 18 offensive rebounds. They ended up with 14 more field goal attempts in the game. So a lot of those things that were problematic in games one and game two were there. But Sabonis being in foul trouble, at times in this series, the Kings have been better when he hasn't been on the court. And right. that was also the case from time to time last night, whether it was Monk playing more, Terrence Davis playing more uh, before he ended up fouling out. They got more from Trey Lyles. Last night, Alan, I'll put it this way. Last night was the first time in this series, because I've talked about this a lot, where, and I've said it over and over and over, and it's it's rung true, that that this series is on the Warriors. And can the Warriors patiently come up and get into their offense and make the Kings defense, which is bad work. And when they do, they can get layups. And when they do, they can get wide open in rhythm threes that can be knocked down. And last night was the first time where this series felt because of the way the Kings played and because of how sluggish and tired the Warriors looked like the Warriors were not in my mind in control. And it happened fast and it happened in a game that could have been the end with the Warriors moving on. But I left with the overarching thought last night of, hey, the Kings may have found something and the Warriors may not have enough energy with the quick turnaround to fight back against it enough to where they can come back and, and grab game seven. Yeah, and if you go back, J.D., to 2015, where this all started, and I'm not trying to get too nostalgic here because it's, it's not the end yet, but when you go back to the Warriors and when they made that adjustment against the Cavs, I'm trying to remember what game it was when they, you know, the the, the Igudala thing, and he started checking LeBron. And game four down 2-1. Game, game, game four down 2-1. Game two four one. down 2-1, and that was it. Exactly. So you even look at when that happened, that was game four. So in theory, the Cavs, if they had an answer, would have had time. I think what's scary, JD, is the Kings figured this out pretty late in the series. They figured out, now, you have to hit open shots, which they hadn't been doing, so how much of this is just they're hitting shots that they weren't earlier in the series, but that's what's scary for the Warriors. You don't have a game or two to now counter what the Kings are doing. You got one, and the Kings are thinking, all we have to do is 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 not steal it, but technically steal this game, uh, this game seven with our new fast lineup. While the Warriors are still trying to figure out, and it's over. The Warriors don't have time to recalibrate. So look, and I and I, we see on Twitter, everybody is Steve Kerr is public enemy number one somehow. What is he going to do to counter this? We don't know, but. What we do know is that the Kings now feel that they have a a, a secret sauce that they can now go back to in Game 7 and do the Warriors have enough. They said, look, Malik Monk said, we're going to run them. We're going to keep running them. So I think that is what is alarming for the Warriors as well, the timing of when this adjustment happened. If this adjustment happened Game 3 for the Kings, it would have been different because the Warriors, okay, now we can counter. You don't have time, and I don't know if they have the horses either to counter this. Well, and, and the Kings, I think, are, are making the Warriors have to look at not playing Kevon Looney quite as much after Looney had been one of the most impactful players in the entire series. And I think the Kings are almost using this as an attempt to draw Looney off the floor, mm-hmm. and then they can see if they can start hitting the Warriors on the offensive glass again without Looney in there to basically sweep away any extra opportunities the way he really did in game three, four, and especially five, the one that the Warriors were able to to win in Sacramento. So the chess match is still there, and the adjustments are still going to have to be made. He's Alan Stiles. I'm John Dickinson, 888-957-9570. What do the Warriors do? What's the adjustment from game six to game seven? Quick turnaround, early start, 1230 tomorrow. We've got you covered. I'll be in Sacramento with Warriors live beginning at 11:30 from Golden One Center and then Tim and Tom on the call game 7 of the Western Conference first round series with it being a do or die winner go home for 
both of these teams and the Warriors. Uh, it's it's so interesting, man, because I, and and you know, we can kind of get into and setting the table for everybody. You know what moves are to be made. I think we can make the case. All right, maybe Draymond goes into the starting lineup and the Warriors go small. But they're going to have to rebound if they do that without Looney, mm-hmm. uh, and and have you know because the Kings are still going to go to and play Sabonis in the starting lineup, and so maybe that is something that the Kings are anticipating the Warriors do, and they feel like they can really make the Warriors pay more with Sabonis on the floor against that lineup. But maybe you know Jordan Poole was awful last night, but I think the Warriors still have to play Jordan Poole. They have no choice. It, it, in, in the game tomorrow. And so when you start getting into, yeah, is it Dre or Looney? Is it Dre and Looney? Does Poole come off the bench? Does Looney come off the bench? All of those things are fair to get into, Alan. But but as far as the eight or nine that are actually going to be available to play, I, I don't think there's really any change that Steve Kerr can go to. It's It's got to be... Steph and Clay and Dre and Wiggins and Looney with some Poole and some DiVincenzo and some Gary Payton the second and some Moses Moody. Moses Moody has yeah. absolutely earned the right to play in this series. He's played since game two. He's basically played well in every game of this series. And he is the one youthful, steady kind of player that is in many ways Sacramento's kryptonite. So maybe there's a little bit more of the youthful exuberance of a Moses Moody in a game seven, but he's already been in the rotation. To me, it's it's those nine, and it's a heavy dose of your top five, plus maybe Peyton, and I think if you're the Warriors, you have to let the chips fall where they may and accept that you know, Steph, Clay, and Draymond are, and Wiggins are going to have to be good enough to bring you home again the way they did in game five. And, and that's the problem with this small ball lineup and if the Warriors do try to counter let's be honest JD the Warriors small ball cannot hang with the King small ball lineup right now the Warriors are going to have legitimate nightmares about Malik Monk and I'll and I'll tell you this first of all before I go any further I got to get one of two games one of of two two games games, Alan two games two games and I'll tell you this I got to give credit to where credit's due for the Kings. You look at Trey Lyles, and you would have sworn, J.D., that he was 5-for-5 from three-point land. He was 2-for-6, but they were so timely. Whenever they needed a bucket last night, whenever the Warriors started to get momentum, the Kings just shut it down. And now when you go back to this small ball lineup, the bottom line is the defense that the Warriors have, they're getting cooked. They are getting cooked on defense. You cannot stay in front of your man, which causes everybody to crash. And not only one, J.D., does that give open shots. We talked about those corner threes. Not only does that give the Kings open threes, if they miss because everybody crashed, there's nobody around for the rebounds. That's why they continue to get second-chance opportunities. So I think that's the problem, the small ball lineup. We love Andrew Wiggins. Matchups and 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 styles make fights. Andrew Wiggins against Jason Tatum last year, great matchup. Andrew Wiggins against Luka Doncic, great matchup. These are bigger guys. These are forward guard hybrid guys. Andrew Wiggins against De'Aaron Fox is trying to do his darndest. But Andrew Wiggins, that's not a great matchup for him. And GP2, yeah, sure, he can try to check Malik Monk, but GP2 also is a one-way player. That's the other thing I wanted to say, J.D. The Warriors forever, even last year, they got too many one-way players, J.D. Draymond, one-way. Looney, one-way. Poole, one-way. Dante, one-way, who's been terrible this season as well. GP2, one-way. Stephen Clay, I won't say that they're one-way, but nobody is you know, saying that they are overachievers on the defensive end. They can get it done, though. And then when you look at the Kings, you got, look, Malik Monk, after he scores a basket, he's ready to check up. De'Aaron Fox is ready to check up. You got Davion Mitchell offensively. He's hot and cold, but he's ready to check up. I just, this is the problem, and this is what has happened with the Warriors time and time again in terms of what they are able to do because they're limited. You have too many, you have too many, uh, you know, nooks and crannies that you got to move around, whereas the Kings, they can just roll people out. Missed opportunity for the Warriors last night. There's no doubt about it. Missed opportunity to, to close out the series. They were a step slow from the jump. They got hit on the boards. The turnovers were there. They took bad shots. They were just impatient. Sacramento gets credit. They clogged the lane 
early in the game, and I think it threw the Warriors off. They they really were trying to make Draymond and Looney drive it, and, and even Jordan Poole drive it into traffic, and that's been something that's been problematic for the Warriors throughout the course of yeah, this can, entire season. Can we mix in a pump fake one time? What, what happened to the Jordan Poole, get to the lane, jump stop, pump fake, let the defender go fly, and the little mid-range fadeaway? Everybody keeps talking about, J.D., how – Oh, the Kings don't have any rim protection. Yeah, sure, but you can't serve it up on a platter. You don't need to be Dikembe Mutombo if you're serving it up on a platter. 888-957-9570. Great opening segment. He's Alan Styles. I'm John Dickinson. We'll get to your phone calls. We'll get to the Comcast Business text line. What's your adjustment for Game 7? And, and just how you feeling? Was it more about the Warriors last night? Or was it more about what the Kings did and the Warriors are going to have a difficult time in countering with the quick turnaround? And Game 7, now just 26 hours away from Sacramento. It's Warriors this week here on a Saturday on 95.7 The Game. I thought the Kings were the aggressor from the start, you know, putting a lot of pressure on us defensively, and we didn't execute early in the game. There were uh, four or five plays early where um, we just took quick shots or didn't, you know, didn't pass the ball to the open guy. And I think at halftime we had eight assists. We just never got our rhythm. We never got into our game. But I give Sacramento the credit for that. They they came out with more force and more energy, and they executed better. And the right team won that's for sure they they came in and uh, and earned the victory and now we got to regroup and uh, get ready for game seven now back to warriors this week on 95.7 the game all right rolling along here 888-957-9570 we got a lot of people that want to talk it's john dickinson and alan styles steve kerr on point as always in the post-game press conference, but what can the Warriors do to make the necessary adjustments now in what will be a do-or-die Game 7 tomorrow? From Sacramento, 12.30 again, the tip-off time right here on 95.7 The Game. Let's get to some calls, Alan. Let's start it off with Jonathan in San Francisco here on a Saturday morning. What's going on, Jonathan? Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, you asking about adjustments? Hey, how about they start the game clean? I mean, yesterday... They started it real messy. It started, started with their leader, Steph Curry, five turnovers, followed by play with three. Looney had two. I mean, everybody, pretty much everybody had a pretty lousy game. You know, pull, well, reverted back to this, you know, lousy self. You know, just going 200 miles an hour, not under control. So, um, you know, I, I know you got to give everything to Sacramento as far as credit because Monk, um, and, and Fox and the rest of the dudes, I mean, they look like they're really hungry and they, they really took it to us yesterday. But the Warriors, to give themselves a chance, hey, how about having a clean start? You know, it, it's hard to just climb all the time and be uphill because, I mean, you, because you're just so careless. So they, they can't start a game like that tomorrow because if they do, they're going to be road kills. They're going to get blown out. So start the game clean. Just be on point, rebound, be aggressive. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You can't win the game by just shooting from the outside. you got to be aggressive, go to the cup, try to get fouls, and, and number one, number one key, hey, limit the turnovers. Yeah, no, no doubt, Jonathan. And turnovers, uh, Alan, in each of the three games the Warriors have lost in this series, they've had a turnover on the first possession. All three games they've wow. lost. Turnover, first possession, and a, and a careless one at that. And if, I'll tell you what, to Jonathan's point, if they don't clean it up early on, it will be a blowout. It will be. You, do, you will not, the Kings will not, I don't care if they don't have experience or not, at home or if they you know could get shook by the, the bright lights in the crowd. If the Warriors come out and give the ball away, it won't be pretty. It won't be. And that's the thing about last night. The, the, the Kings actually had more turnovers than the Warriors. They had 19 yeah. to the Warriors, 18. But the Warriors, uh, J.D., it, it, the Warriors are the only team when they win a game and the way that they win a game, you think, wow, how did they lose a game? We had people saying, this should have been over in five. This should have been this. This should have been that. Yeah, then, when they, that- then when they lose a game, you're wondering how they won a game to begin with. They are just a completely different team night in and night out. And we're going to see, like I said, J.D., in the first five minutes, we're going to see if the Warriors, what the Warriors are made out of. Because the same way the Kings came out and punched them in the mouth, that's exactly what the Warriors are going to have to do to pull this off. If you get down early, I don't know. And look, I'm not trying to disrespect the championship DNA. Sometimes it's more about the facts. And sometimes it's more about, you have guys, and and look, I know he was still only three for eight, but don't let Kevin Herter get going. Don't let him get going, and he and he can he can get hot. I'll I'll give you one more JD about Malik Monk. You know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of Jordan Poole in last year's playoffs. That's who he reminds me of. Free, easy, getting whatever he wanted. And right now, the Kings have that guy off the bench, and the Warriors just don't. They don't. It's system. It's a system bucket. Or it's Steph, and that's it. They have zero bucket getters right now. Zero. No, th- no, you're right about that, and they have to run their offense. And, and I think the one thing we've seen in this series is the Warriors at times, and it was it was especially true, although I do think the Kings made some defensive adjustments in Game 6 compared to some of the other games. But it just seems like at times the Warriors don't have the patience to work hard enough to run their offense. It's almost like they just – they just lack the discipline and focus to, or, or desire to have to work that hard to, to get a bucket, which, you know, unfortunately for them is the, the key to winning this series. They yeah. have to go about trying to do it in, in that way. And to the point on the total turnovers, yeah, the, the Warriors gave up 23 points off of the 19 turnovers. Part of the reason the Warriors were in the game for as long as they were was the fact that Sacramento was also turning it over, in particular in in the first half. The Kings blew the Warriors out last night and shot forty percent. It's bad, from the JD. Field. And I'm a, and I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a step further real quick. I don't want to hear anything about the whistle. Last night I oh, thought not last was, night I thought it was a good whistle for the Warriors in the first half, and they did absolutely nothing with it. Turnovers and whistles, and you still couldn't find it in your heart. You had Steph Curry saying, got to have your butts in the seats. You got people taking off work early, and you don't even show up. The fans showed up. There were there were conflicting reports about how many fans were in there. Look, they were in there eventually when the game started. The Warriors never showed up, J.D. Yeah, and it would look, uh, it was maybe 75 to 80%, I think, at tip. It did fill in quicker than I expected. I thought it had the potential to be really bad. In fact, at about 455 or so, mm-hmm. it looked like half full, but it went from half full to probably 80% r- real quick by the first five, four or five minutes of the game. So I, I don't really think that was part of it. It was just that the game was so bad that the fans really weren't weren't into it yeah you know at, at the level I think it, the start time was weird for everybody but I'm not I'm no I'm not putting last night on the fans or the crowd or the officials or, or any of that and another sign though that you got a tired team you're missing free throws when you're a good free Man, throw shooting team it was bad 25 of 35 Steph missed three Poole missed two 
Wiggins was three for six, back to back to split the pair. Wiggins, which was something that that was, uh, you know, his game for a good chunk of his early time with the Warriors, where he'd always go to the line and seemingly split the pair or hit two out of three, mm-hmm. and you end up you know, 66, 67 percent right. as opposed to to better than that. So that was, I think, another one of those warning signs in that they got to the line a lot and the Kings are a team that does foul a lot they're kind of like the Warriors because they're not great defensively and because they're not they can they can be baited into to fouls the Warriors got the calls but didn't make them pay although you end up losing by 19 and hell they they could have made every single free throw and still lost by 10. Yeah and, and going back to the tired part of it JD I'm curious really in, in breaking down and getting into your offense, right? Getting into your offense versus just chucking up a three, is that part of this too? Are they tired so they don't really feel like running their offense? You know what? I'm I'm, I'm one of the best shooters in the world. Let me just get this up. I, and I keep going back to JD. That set, what was it, 75 to 70, when they had that fast break, Draymond kicks it out. It was arguable that Jordan Poole, they did, he did have Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole at that point could have been a block the way Jordan Poole was going to the hole, but he kicks it out to Dante DiVincenzo, which throughout majority of the season, DiVincenzo, I, we've been yelling for him to shoot more. He decides that that's when he wants to take a transition three. Just made no sense. Made no sense. Yeah, DiVincenzo just he's done. He's had some okay games, floor games. He's had some bad floor games. He just hasn't made shots in this series. But it's a catch twenty two because Poole isn't giving him enough, and you need that secondary ball handler. The Warriors have been at their best in this series when they've had a secondary ball handler out there with Steph Curry, and so it's been Poole. Even though Poole hasn't scored or been efficient. It's been enough taking either Draymond or Looney off the court for one of those guards to allow the Warriors' offense to flow, but neither Poole nor DiVincenzo in this series have made enough shots to where you could really make a team like like Sacramento pay. And, and you know, the Kings ended up 17-45 last night from three. Mm-hmm. That was their best game of the series in terms of makes. They made a bunch of corner threes last night. I think I, I read it was a John Schumann NBA.com piece. Nine of 18 the Kings were on corner threes. The Warriors have been leaving the corner open, and the Kings have not been cashing in. The number I read, get this, the number I read on that is, and and this was, again, via John Schumann of of NBA.com, the Kings had only made eight corner threes in the entire series to this point. They were eight for 45 on corner threes in the first five games. Last night, they were nine of 18. So the Warriors were you know, giving them ones or contesting them better, or the Kings were just not hitting them. But last night, that flipped. And even though the Kings didn't shoot it well overall, 17 three-point makes is, is big, and those corner threes were, were daggers, and those corner threes were hit at a 50% clip, which is going to get you beat every single night and every time you watch a broadcast what do they say it's the easiest three in on the court so eventually they were gonna hit I think the Warriors thought all right maybe the lights will be too bright and we can continue to play this way again that go back now to Steve Kerr and his coaching staff what adjustments do you make because JD I mean my goodness you cannot bring the whole kitchen sink to help on a Malik Monk or a De'Aaron Fox drive all day long you can't continue to do it and, and just pray that these guys aren't going to make open shots. I said it before, I, and no disrespect, because I don't know what he's up to now, but this isn't Andre Roberson on the Thunder. You can't, you can't do that. You can't do it. No. You can't leave Herter in the corner. You can't leave Keegan Murray in the corner. And, you know, that's basically where Keegan Murray stands on a majority of plays is, is right. in the corner. Uh, and, and, again, he didn't shoot it great overall, but he hit four timely ones. And, and, and the Kings collectively rebounded much better than the Warriors did. 53-42, again, the Warriors were just a step slow and out of sync all night. What was that all about? Was it Sacramento taking it to them and going a little bit smaller? The Kings, again, had uh, Murray with 12 boards. They had Monk who had six. They got 10 boards from Trey Lyles. They collectively rebounded in a way that the Warriors have done at other points in this series, even when they had Kevon Looney cleaning the glass off at the level that he was. 8 at 8 Let's go to Filmo Mike. What's going on, Filmo? Hey, what's up, J.D.? First of all, let's give congratulations to Alan Styles one time 
Shimon, I'm going to put yes, his things out there. But congratulations to you, my brother. For Thank real, you. for real. Thank you, Philmo. And, uh, off top. And then, so first of all, we got to understand this. It's the same cast, but it ain't the same Warriors. You feel me? So everybody keep talking about they got the championship pedigree. We do have a championship pedigree. We got heart, but it ain't the same Warriors. And then it's weird because in some when the Warriors are not playing well, inexperience does not matter because the Warriors, when they are playing well, they go still give you 13 to 15, 16 turnovers, but they go still take the they gonna take the quick shots, and if they make them, it's gravy. But if they don't, it's gonna be like, oh, the other team is experienced, whereas we we playing inexperienced. You know what I'm saying? It's it's like a weird conundrum. And then my my, my final two points is this: first of all, Shasky, all the all the people that was jinxing this, thinking that we gonna win and all that. And you feel me? Like you gotta play the game. You still gotta play the game. But also, you gotta realize the Sacramento Kings. And the Warriors, when they play, no matter who on the team, it's always going to be a competitive, great game. I don't care who on the team. Nine times out of ten, when second and Golden State play, it's going to be it's going to be a heated rivalry. It's going to be it's going to be it's going to be a lot. So I should have known that this game that you feel me that it was going to go seven games based on that. And then I also should have known. The Warriors, like I said earlier, they not the same Warriors. So we expecting them to turn it on. They not. They can't really turn it on right now. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it's kind of like they've been doing this the whole season. So like, even when they were good, they were going to games. I'm be like, what? How did they lose that game? These are the Warriors, and, and it's just scary that we going into a game seven. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. And look, it's the same cast. The, the cha- they do have the championship pedigree. It's all still there, but you still have to play well. Like, championship pedigree alone doesn't win you a game. It's mm-hmm. championship pedigree and you play well. It, it's, you know, the, the Warriors showed their championship pedigree in game five right. in a big time way. But they also had Steph and Clay and Draymond and Wiggins score 20 or more points collectively. So, you know, is that championship pedigree? Yeah, part of it is. It, the poise that they played with and the purpose that they played with in that game and, and the way that they played down the stretch in that game when they probably should have been up more than they were when it was a 111-110 game with, what, two minutes left and Draymond yeah. goes to the Nowitzki shot and all that. The poise and all of that was there, but at the you ain't winning it on that alone. No, like you got to play a winning game, and the Warriors played an awful game last night. No, uh, yeah. If you if you collected all of the players in the NBA, all of the role players, even some starters that have a ring, and put them on a team, if they weren't you know the superstars of that team, and say and, and put them up against a different team, and say they should win because they have championship pedigree, that's probably not going to happen. So you also have to play well. Uh, to me, JD. It was just so bizarre. I mean, coming out of the half when luckily Keegan Murray missed that three, nobody even knew where he was. There was nobody next to him, and Clay, Clay, they're all pointing their fingers. What was that? And then actually on that play, Keegan missed, and I believe Sabonis got the rebound and got fouled. Offensive rebound, got fouled, and then they gave up another wide-open three. And 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 so they ended up giving a they ended up the Kings ended up getting a getting an offensive rebound into another wide open three and so the the Kings ended up getting the the three anyway on, on that play and that that was a wow like you come out of halftime and that's the first possession that was a you don't have it because it, it was first the defensive miscue and there were a lot more of the defensive miscues for the Warriors last night but then it's the inability to get the board which was a problem last last night and then you and then it ends up being a kick out uh, to another wide open three and you're right back down 10 and there was just the, the uphill climb the Warriors did not take advantage of the fact that the Kings while their competitiveness and their forcefulness was there early their game really wasn't like they they won the game and hung in the game and took control of the game basically on their hunger right. last night and then as they got a little bit of a lead they got into their flow where Fox was. And and so when the Warriors were able to score, 
that the Kings would run it right back at them, and that's when the Kings are playing their best is when they they run it right back, even off a of make, and then they get a quick make, and that mm-hmm. and and that that's when you know they're at their at their best, and they did that to the Warriors Layups. a lot last night. Layups. Once the Warriors were getting into their offensive rhythm, like every time it felt like all right, the Warriors are coming, the Kings would just calmly run it back the other way and get an easy bucket, which again. That's alarming, I think, moving toward Game 7 because that's when the Kings are at their most in their bag when they got that free flow and getting those easy twos back the other way. And, and, and De'Aaron Fox, a lot of credit to him. I, I think they're not using him in the ball-dominant way that they were early in the series because of the finger injury, but, but he really controlled the game and controlled the tempo, I, I thought, last night, along with Malik Monk. And the Warriors defensively were just in scramble mode. They were in scramble mode, uh, just flying around. And and when that happens, ball movement is going to lead to easy buckets and wide open threes. And that's exactly what the Kings got. Yeah. And look, Steph Curry, best shooter to ever live. And he showed it, J.D., because he was this thing could have been uglier quicker because a lot of his escape valve threes kept the Warriors in the game. If he misses those, if Steph had an off night, the Warriors would have got blown out the building. They would have got absolutely blown out the building. So I think it's just something when you go back to the tape and not that they really have time to look at it, they know what they do. They do. (laughs) So they're going to have to make some type of adjustments, but ultimately you're just going to have to check rock and and find a way to stay in front of these guys. And you got to get GP two in there. I understand that he is not your prototypical guard in terms of handling the basketball, but this is why you got GP two. All right, Andrew Wiggins, he can go. He is he he is two way wigs. We get that, but you need GP. This is a team full of quick guards. This is this is right on a platter for GP two. You have to find a way to get him more playing time, and he is a guy that can counter and hit some of those corner threes. You got to have more GP two. You got to have more Moses Moody. I don't. I, I I get it in terms of handling the basketball, initiating the offense. I'm sorry if that's all Jordan Poole is going to do, and then trick the ball off somehow. You can find another way. But I understand JD that he you kind of live by him, die by him because he's really your only other bucket getter besides. Steph, well, and, outside and again, of the offense, outside and of the if you offense. Go, well, if you, and if you go away from Jordan Poole, and, and I, I look, he played 26 minutes last night. I think in game five he played 23. I'm looking at – yeah, he only played 23 in game five. They played DiVincenzo about 17, 18. I'm, I'm looking at Gary Payton the second, played 15. Payton played only 10 last night. Uh, after the Warriors called off the dogs in the final couple of minutes. But I, I still maintain that it, it's going to have to be Steph, Clay, Draymond, Wiggins, Looney, and then a little bit of Poole, DiVincenzo, and, and probably Moody and Peyton. Mm-hmm. Now, the right balance of those uh, those eight or nine is what comes into play, but I think it, it's got to be those eight or nine. They just have to they just have to play better. And I think you know Comcast Business Text Line was saying, hey, the Kings have more shooters than the Warriors do, even though the Warriors are a better defensive team. And right now, the Warriors basically have three shooters. And, yeah, and and that's true. They they ha- and and that's the Warriors have to have Steph and Clay and Wiggins basically come through efficiently if they're going to be able to win, especially on the road as they did in, in Game 5. All right, let's get back to the phones. we got full phone lines, 888-957-9570. Sam in Dublin next here on Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Sam. Hey, guys. How you doing? That didn't, uh, that didn't go to plan last night, did it? No. <laughs> yeah, so um, – <clears throat> I thought the Kings, I really wasn't expecting them to make uh, a big adjustment. And I really thought they did, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And what they did is they went for really what was the heart of the Warriors in Game 5, which was Kavon. Um, yep. I thought they picked him up the second he crossed half court. I mean, how many times last night did the ball end up in his hands and Sabonis is guarding him 28 feet from the basket? So they were determined not to allow either Looney or Green to get those drives and then those easy kind of weak side back cuts that the Warriors feasted in Game 5. The Kings just took it away. They just had three yep. guys in the box the entire game, 
And then what happened is it felt like they were like, okay, we're not going to let them get three passes and a dunk or a layup. Let's force them to have to pass the ball six, seven times to get a good look. And the Warriors, as they have all season, just had no patience and did not seem intent at all on running any type of extended offense if that easy back cut wasn't there, which resulted in what we saw last night, which was, gosh, I don't even know how many contested outside jump shots the Warriors took last night, but it was incredible to watch. Um, Offensively, the Kings also took Looney out of the game, and uh, what they did, what I thought was really interesting, is they kind of went away from the dribble handoff with Sabonis and into just more of a true switch. They switched Looney out a ton on the perimeter and then just let Sabonis feast inside. I think there was one point, one play, I remember, he got a rebound. He had, like, Gary Payton on him after his switch down on the block and then just got the rebound, kicked it out to Keegan Murray, corner three, um, and then Poole. Man, I thought thought he would play at least a little better defensively. I mean, there was one play where he just let, you know, Davion Mitchell just blow right by him and it's like you know jordan we're not asking you to guard you know jason tatum or damian lillard but you can't let these third fourth option guys just blow by you and get either and ones or force the defense to collapse and then kick it out and then yeah the kings made their shot so adjustment wise they're gonna have to be a little bit more patient because that little back cut game is not going to be there the kings i think have figured that out and they've taken it away so if they want to live with the contested jump shot in Game 7, a power to them, but hopefully Steve and company can uh, figure something out. Yeah, excellent phone call, Sam. A really great breakdown of, mm-hmm. of all of it. They, they did take Kevon Looney out both ways, and it wasn't even necessarily to allow Sabonis to score, but it was more just to allow him to be able to work on the offensive glass against some smaller players because Looney wasn't in there to, to clean it off. And then uh, at the same time, they really did get out on him and prevented him from being able to kind of survey everything defensively. And and you're right, they packed the paint. They were not allowing those drives for the for the quick one pass dunks, which the Warriors have had their way with throughout the course of this series. And and the Warriors just were content because they are a, a good jump shooting team taking those jumpers, and they weren't hitting. And it was all bad from there. Quick thought, Alan. we got to get to the top of the hour. No, I, I thought it was a good point Sam said about the dribble handoffs and the back cuts. We already know Mike Brown used to be with the Warriors, but we've seen this in other series as well, J.D. These teams start to learn the offense a little bit, and at that point in time, it becomes Steph bailout or somebody bail us out or somebody get hot. Those little tic-tac-toe plays, the Kings were on it, and when these series go longer, these teams start to figure out what the Warriors are trying to do, so how much of that gets affected in Game 7 as well, we'll find out. All right, 888-957-9570. A lot of people on the phones. We're coming back. We're getting right to the calls. It's Warriors this week. John Dickinson and Alan Stiles on 95.7 The Game. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 